Hey everybody, this is Juan Martinez of the Easeville Network, and welcome to the Easeville Minute for Wednesday, September 19th, 2018. So yesterday saw the release of the first trailer for Captain Marvel, which is the first female superhero movie from the MCU starring Brie Larson. Uh, out of all of the female superheroes in the Marvel Universe, whether it's the comic books or the cinematic universe proper, uh, Captain Marvel was not who I expected would ever be the first uh, female superhero lead. Uh, you know, there's probably quite a bit more. Uh, Spider-Woman comes to mind. Uh, Scarlet Witch, really, if you really think about it. Black Widow, obviously. So there's a lot of characters really that I expected would maybe take that role. But, you know, hey, Captain Marvel's as good a character as any, especially since she is arguably the most, or one of the most powerful uh, superheroes in the Marvel Universe. So... Her origin story takes place actually in the 90s, which kind of gets us away from the Infinity War by two decades. And it kind of sort of explains in the trailer maybe why she wasn't part of Infinity War, because uh, she kind of says that she has no recollection of her time on Earth, uh, which is kind of an interesting concept. Uh, her Brie Larson's character's name is uh, Carol Danvers, and she was a fighter pilot, apparently, based on the trailers. Um you know, she goes through training and all that stuff. And, you know, somehow, some way, she ends up becoming Captain Marvel, uh, a pretty badass character, <laughs> pretty badass uh, Kree super soldier, kind of Captain America kind of deal. Uh, and she, her mentor is, I guess, Jude Law, who is going to be playing Marvel, who is actually the character in the comic books. I'm not really super familiar with the Captain Marvel like story other than the part where I guess Spider-Man absorbs her powers and becomes like a cosmic version of Spider-Man for like a couple minutes. But anyways, it's an interesting story. Uh, it also features like a young Nick Fury and a young Agent Coulson, which is awesome. So we get to bring back, uh, you know, Sam Jackson uh, prior to him becoming a Nick Fury with the bald head and the eye patch. And then we also get a young Agent Coulson, which is our Clark Gregg. And so we're not going to have to deal with his, like his Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff, which is Welcome change. Uh, you know, th that series has gone on for quite a bit. And I honestly have no idea what the hell is going on there. And the fact that they don't try to tie it in even closely to the MCU at this point is kind of a disappointment. But, you know, if we get a young Coulson, that's great. And then there's also other characters that we've seen in previous MCU movies that are also going to be in here. So we're going to get a younger version of Ronan the Accuser. Uh, so that's awesome. And kind of makes me wonder if there's even going to be a closer guardians of the galaxy tie in there and that just just makes a whole things a lot more interesting uh you know what if yondu pops up or if there's like a young version of star lord because uh chris pratt's character star lord gets like abducted taken away from earth uh in the 80s or was it the late 70s and so in the 90s he'd be like a young he'd be a young kid so what if we get like a tiny cameo from something like that i think that would be pretty awesome but no captain marvel seems like it's setting up for her to become the most powerful character in the MCU and who is the one who's going to be capable of beating Thanos. Basically, my theory, what it comes down to is the main characters, I think, who are going to take down Thanos or at least going to have a major role in taking down Thanos in Infinity War is uh, Captain Marvel, uh, who has her own movie <laughs> right before Infinity War. So she's probably going to be a big deal, although that didn't work out so well for Black Panther. Ugh. Anyways, uh, Ant-Man, who is stuck in the negative zone. Uh, and, you know, there's going to be probably going to be a way for him to get out of there in order to join the fight to beat Thanos and Hawkeye, 
there's probably a reason why they haven't shown Jeremy Renner. Uh, there's probably a reason why he wasn't in Infinity War. I mean, Ant-Man has a reason. He has his own movie afterwards. So, yeah, I, I, that's going to be like those three characters seem like they're going to be really, really big bit, bit, bit players in Infinity War 2 or whatever that sequel is going to be called. So, yeah, pretty pumped for Captain Marvel, pretty pumped for like the 90s nostalgia, uh, although that can be a little grating at times. But, you know, this trailer starts off with Captain Marvel landing, crash landing at a blockbuster video, which is the second major blockbuster video uh, nostalgia thing that I've experienced this year. Uh, so that's cool. And yeah, no, it's just a really interesting movie, a choice. I mean, you know, whenever Marvel goes out, like the MCU has gone out to like outer space and done like, you know, the crazy cosmic stuff, it's always come out like pretty good. I had my doubts about Guardians of the Galaxy when it first, you know, was announced. I was like, really? Guardians of the Galaxy? Are we really going to do that? Like, basically d level like superheroes in the marvel universe i mean i know they can't do fantastic four at the time or x-men at the time so really we're gonna do guardians of the galaxy like who are they i i couldn't even remember who was on the guardians of the galaxy and it turned out to be if not my favorite you know marvel cinematic universe unit movie it's probably second it's def definitely like in the one or two it depends on what day it is i guess uh, there's also like, you know, Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok and all that. So, but basically they've just been a pretty good role, uh, since the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And I'm just interested, like, this is going to be, uh, how they all ties in. And then eventually I'm sure end credits are going to be like, oh, Captain Marvel's ready to take on Thanos. Or she ha receives the call, the page from Nick Fury is like, oh, I guess it's time to go back to Earth, wherever that is. Or if she even has memories of those. So yeah, uh, the, the, like looking forward to Captain Marvel when it comes out March 2019. Uh, that seems like a long ways away. But if you think about it, it's September. We're halfway through September. <laughs> you know, there's only three more months left in the year. And yeah, pretty sure it's going to be there. And then we're going to get to that. And then the second Infinity War movie. And then Spider-Man. Basically, Spider. -Man. everything just comes back to Spider-Man, I guess. Damn, I still need to keep playing that PS4 game. <laughs> but yes, Captain Marvel. Very excited for it and very excited to see like a female lead because we just had like, you know, all the dudes, all the dudes already had their shot at it, you know. <laughs> so hopefully we get like a good Captain Marvel movie, which eventually will probably lead to a good Black Widow movie and more good stuff from uh, Marvel Studios. They've been good so far. Well, the less we talk about Thor Dark World, the better, I guess. Okay, moving along to NFL news, which we've been talking a little bit more than I ever expected. I knew I didn't talk about it that much last season, but, you know, with all of the crazy stuff that went on this past weekend between Fitzmagic and Antonio Brown getting on Twitter and having a spat with a former PR flunky for the team, it's been a pretty good week <laughs> in terms of, like, goofy NFL stuff, and I guess it kind of sort of continues with Josh Gordon going to the New England Patriots. I guess they traded a fifth-round draft pick to the Browns and sent the troubled uh, wide receiver there, and there's probably good reason for that because the Patriots receiving core is kind of trash right now. Uh, Julian Edelman is supposed to return from his uh, suspension and also injury uh, pretty soon, but, you know, their receiving core is not... They basically don't have a Randy Moss is kind of what I'm getting at. So they're hoping Josh Gordon can be that, uh, you know, savior for their receiving core. And hopefully, you know, Tom Brady will know what it feels like again to like just throw bombs and all that stuff. But 
it is Josh Gordon, and he is going through a couple of things right now, which is, you know, tough. I mean, you know, addiction is really a real disease, and it's hopefully something that he can overcome and, you know, get some proper treatment for it. But at the same time, he's also, you know, just had, like, issues where he doesn't show up, and he's had, like, just stuff that's just one bad thing after another, and he really hasn't had a productive season for quite a while. And it's just another reclamation project for the Patriots. I mean, it worked out for Randy Moss and uh, LeGarrette Blunt and Corey Dillon, although those guys didn't have the same issues that Josh Gordon does. But it didn't work out for guys like Chad Ochocinco, Albert Hainsworth, and a bunch of other names. And, you know, I am a 49ers fan, true and true and diehard. But I always tend to look at, like, the Patriots on the other side of, like, the country and look like, hey, that's a fun team to watch. Mostly because a lot of people get pissed off at the Patriots (laughs) for, you know, cheating or not or whatever. And, you know, Tom Brady's a great quarterback. Bill Belichick is a great coach. And, you know, they're just they've always been just fun to admire from afar. So I've always kept an eye on them, especially when Moss was there. Uh, That was always a good time. One of my favorite memories. I think I've talked about this on the podcast uh, was during like the Patriots undefeated season when they were, uh, you know, going for the undefeated you know, record and also for the Brady's and actually Randy Moss's like personal records between like, you know, the, the touchdown passes and the receiving catches for touchdowns. And I think they went for like, they went for like a home run play against the giants on the last game of the season, or was it the second to last game of the season? And they missed and they, they, they basically went back to the huddle and said pretty much same play. And it was pretty much the same play that ran it. And that was, I guess, the pass that got Brady the the record that broke, I think. Uh, I think it was Peyton Manning or Dan Marino at the time. And then uh, Moss got his record as well from that, from that throw, breaking Jerry Rice's record, which is awesome. So, you know, I, like I said, it's always just been fun to watch the Patriots from afar. Gronk is, of course, a character. Dude has always been fun to watch. And there's just been like a whole bunch of dudes on the Patriots who I've just been you know, fans of just, you know, from the Dion Branches to the Kevin Falks uh, to the Teddy Brewskis. There's just been so many. Vinatieri when he was still with the Patriots. So I wouldn't say I'm like a super diehard Patriots fan, but, you know, you know, when the 49ers have sucked, I've always looked at them as like, oh, hey, they're kind of like my my backup team, even though not really, because if the 49ers and the Patriots ever went up against each other in the Super Bowl, I'd be like, screw the Patriots. They cheat. <laughs> so uh yeah i just interested to see how this josh gordon thing goes i mean you know i don't really know much about gordon other than you know he's had his issues but in terms of like him being a productive player in the nfl i don't know like i guess he was doing well with the browns but you know that could be like good stats bad team kind of thing kind of like you know mitch richmond on the kings for all those years and then when he ended up on a halfway decent team like the wizards yeah so what (laughs) so uh, i'll be interested to see how this goes um you know, it's just another one of those, like, hopefully it works out for the Patriots. But if not, eh, yeah, they'll they'll probably find another way. You know, they, they, they've managed to work out and win Super Bowls with receivers like Chris Hogan, for crying out loud. I mean, seriously, I think they'll be fine. They'll be fine. <laughs> Dion Branch, like, did double duty for, like, or like a couple of years there, right? Or was it, no, was it Troy Brown who did double duty? Well, anyways, one of those, one, one of those guys either played offense and defense. So yeah, <laughs> I think they'll be okay. Oh, I can't believe I forgot to talk about this. So a couple of weeks ago, I was out in Los Angeles to check out the Adidas Falcon. 
It is a women's shoe and it is endorsed by Kylie Jenner. Now you're probably wondering, Juan, what are you doing out there? And, you know, I was probably thinking the same thing too when I was there, <laughs> to be quite honest. But the Adidas Falcon is a classic uh, sneaker, uh, basically brought back to the modern times. But, you know, since it has that dad shoe vibe, uh, you know, it got a little bit more of a push and it's got Kylie Jenner's endorsement on there. And we all know that Kanye has his ties with Adidas. So I guess they, Figured they'd keep it in the family. So I was at this event that was at a gas station that was remixed to basically have like a early, early 90s vibe. So you've got like the neon colors and the graphics that are pretty much in line with what you would expect from like the early 90s. And it, it was all sorts of nostalgic vibes on there. There was a crane machine where you could pick up like all sorts of like Adidas related swag. Uh, there was the cereal boxes that had a design that was straight out of the 90s. And then there's the shoe itself. I think it was an interesting looking shoe. I'm not the biggest uh, fan of the dad shoe trend, but between the colors um, that were remixed and to ha have it look like a more of a modern vibe, especially like the multicolor one that I ended up getting in a size uh, eight <laughs> for not myself, but for someone else because it was a women's shoe. I thought it turned out quite well. Uh, it's not something I would ever wear personally, but I think for... You know, people who are fans of the dad shoe trend, I think it's definitely a worthy addition to that. Uh, the colors are definitely in line with what I would expect. Um, the person who actually received the shoe from me actually appreciated it quite well because the upper is that like light green, light bluish kind of look that reminds her of uh, Elsa from Frozen. So that worked out quite well for me. Got some bonus points for that. <laughs> so I thought, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting take on, you know, the whole 90s thing is to like, you know, bring that back and to have, you know, Kylie become like the name behind the shoe is, uh, yeah, it's a smart move because it's going to get a lot of people paying more attention to the shoe than they otherwise would. Um, I've actually seen the shoe out and about at different stores and everything. And yeah, having that name, having that branding on there is definitely going to get a lot more eyeballs on the shoe. So kudos to Adidas Originals for that. They've been, they've been really doing a great job about integrating their classic models and bringing it back and they're really like on top of their game when it comes to that stuff in terms of like you know getting people to pay attention and don't necessarily need like the athletic backgrounds or even just the athletes to endorse a product they know that they can get a lot more attention a lot more eyeballs when they bring in somebody like a kylie jenner or another kardashian or something like that and that's the one that people look on their Instagram. That's the one that look on their Snapchats. And that's the one that, you know, gets a lot of attention and it works for them. And yeah, it's a smart business decision. Not the biggest fan of shoes, but, you know, it was still a fun event. Uh, if nothing for nothing else, the food was actually pretty good, too, the <laughs> which was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's like mini chicken and waffles, which was great. So appreciated Adidas for having me out there for that event. Okay, and then finally, we've got Sony joining in on the retro console mini phase, and they've got something called the PlayStation Classic that is dropping December 3rd for $100, and it's going to feature 20 preloaded uh, PlayStation 1 classics, including Final Fantasy VII, Tekken 3, Ridge Racer Type 4, Jumping Flash, and Wild Arms. So far, those are the only titles that have been announced for the PlayStation Classic, and I have no idea if I should be excited for this damn thing, <laughs> to be quite honest. Now, I've never actually owned the PlayStation. Yes, that's one of my great uh, gaming shames, but I knew enough people at the time to really know not it wasn't necessarily a big deal. 
I mean, I could just, you know, play it at my brother's house. I could play it at a friend's house. And uh, I never really had an issue. I never really felt like I was missing out on anything. You know, I had my N64 and I was quite happy with that at the time. Uh, although there were a couple games that were really like, oh, man, I wish I had to, you know, I had to like the opportunity to like really bang through that particular title, like an Einhander or a Loaded or a Final Fantasy. Although now I probably wouldn't play that now. <laughs> like I don't have the time or the or the interest to really play Final Fantasy 7 from start to finish at this point. But definitely at the time in the 90s, I was definitely like, oh, man, I wish I could play Final Fantasy. But, you know, hey, now they've got this PlayStation Classic and maybe I will do that, but probably not no chance <laughs> so it's going to be a miniaturized version of the first version of the playstation so the ps1 ironically is probably like the same size as this playstation classic so the ps1 is this miniature version of the playstation the original version and it's even got an ability for you to put up a flip up screen on there an lcd flip up screen so technically you could have had a place portable playstation one already uh, you know, in the I think it was like the early, early 2000s or was it the late 90s? But anyways, so this version is going to have, you know, the two classic controllers. Uh, interestingly enough, it's not going to have the, uh, the dual analog sticks, which is, I guess, sure. I don't know how you're going to play Jumping Flash uh, with, ju with just a joypad, but I guess you could play it. But I thought the whole purpose of Jumping Flash was to play it with the, with the analog sticks. But anyways. Uh, the one nitpick, I guess, about this is that if you want to play with an AC adapter, you can't. You have to buy it separately, which is like, huh? Uh, because I guess they wanted to save space on the box or something. I don't know. So it comes with an HDMI port. So that's another thing. <laughs> it's like, hopefully you have still have enough ports on your uh, HDTV to plug this another one in there. If you have the NES Classic and the Super NES Classic. Uh, yeah, good luck with that. So 20 games, we only know five so far, and, you know, there's still quite a bit of time before December 3rd. I'm going to be very interested to check out the response to this. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of nostalgia for the PlayStation 1, but at the same time, you know, if you're a PlayStation fan, you probably already have access to these games one way or another, either through uh, backwards compatibility on the PlayStation 2, uh, backwards compatibility on the PlayStation 3, or you can buy them on the, you know, on the PSN network. Uh, or if you have a PS Vita, I'm pretty sure all of these games that I just mentioned from Tekken, uh, what is it, Tekken 4, or Tekken 3, Final Fantasy, Ridge Racer, pretty sure all of these are playable on the Vita in one way or another. So I, I guess it's a cool thing. It's a neat thing to have. Uh, they already showed like the box art and I'm like, oh man, that looks cool. I want the box. <laughs> I'll probably end up buying this, but I'm not going to be super excited about it. And I'm definitely not going to get in line for it like I did the Super NES Classic or anything like that. So it's cool. It's just just to have it, right, I guess. And, you know, there's still that. And there's also like the Neo Geo Mini that I still need to go pick up at some point. Uh, not the U.S. version, but the international version. Although I haven't he been hearing good things about the actual console itself, which is kind of a bummer. But... It's a mini arcade cabinet and it looks cool. It's got that little screen. It's got the sticks and the buttons and yeah. <laughs> and then there's Sega and they're going to bring out a Mega Drive uh, mini that's supposed to be dropping either later this year or sometime in 2019. Hopefully it doesn't have that, you know, at games connection anymore because they were responsible for the really crappy flashback consoles that are, you know, you can buy right now for, you know, 60 bucks at Target and they're trash. Uh, <laughs> so 
Yeah, it's another one. Uh, and I think the nostalgia is going to sound cool initially, I guess, at first. But then when you start to see the games and like how primitive they look from the polygonal sense and also how primitive they play, especially something like Final Fantasy VII, when we've had like 20 something years of like advancements in the RPG genre and how they play in terms of like, you know, ease and convenience. Yeah, um, I, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be in for a rude awakening when they start to actually like, you know, fire this thing up. I mean, for me, it's more about just having them having all of these like you know mini consoles together in one place is just a neat thing i guess and then of course there's also the the worry that the japanese version is going to be better it's going to have different games games that i want uh so my excitement for this and my excitement to actually play it is going to be dependent on one game and one game only at least from what i can recall einhander it's a shoot 'em up game from uh, squaresoft uh before it became square enix i guess and I always loved the way that thing looked. It's a 2.5D game, but it was like, it's a side-scrolling shooter, but it had 3D graphics. And at the time, it was just mind-blowing to see like polygons. Like it was like a 3D, 3D shooter, but it wasn't actually 3D. It was like, it was just side-scrolling, but the way that the the actions, the ships moved, it was like, oh my gosh, they're like moving in and out of the background. And it was actually like 3D rendered and all that stuff. And it was just a joy to watch. And I still have that nostalgia for that particular game. But, you know, if it's not on these on this package, I may never even open up this PlayStation Classic. I may just have it just to have it. And I'm not going to buy it like, you know, when it first comes out, if there's going to be like a hassle to go get it. I'm just going to wait. But if it has Heine Hander, no, I'm lining up day one for sure because <laughs> I'm crazy. <laughs> All right, everybody, hope you all enjoyed this episode of the Easyville Minute. This is Juan Martinez of the Easyville Network. Find out more about the network by going to patreon.com slash Easyville. That is E-Z-Y-V-I-L-L-E. Subscribe to that. It's how we keep things going. It's how we keep the podcast ad-free, how we keep the videos that sometimes occasionally pop up on the YouTube channel <laughs> ad-free. Of course, you'll see exclusive content that you just won't see anywhere else on there at patreon.com slash So go check that out. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and I will see you at the next thing.